Sloggy Kiddos. It is April 6, 2022, and I'm in my room here on the slope. It's Wednesday. I've got one more week up here, and I can come home and see you guys. I am on day shift, so I will not be doing the night shift zombie routine for three days when I get home. So I'm really happy about that. Can't wait to see you guys. Hope you are enjoying school and getting ready for warm weather. I know we got a little more snow yesterday, but it can't last too much longer, right? It just can't. Okay, so let's pick up where we left off. Paul is traveling all over the known world, um, preaching the gospel, making disciples, taking great time. He says a couple of times he... He teaches and preaches it with tears, meaning he's just pouring his heart into it and all of his emotion and his heart and his soul and every ounce of his spirit is just being poured into teaching all of the different groups of Christians around the world, which is super cool. And he's telling everybody, hey, I'm, I am giving it everything. You guys, I'm going to leave and you might not see me ever again. So take what I've told you and run with it and don't let any bad people come in and tell you lies and uh, take you spiritually captive. There'll be dogs, there'll be wolves. I don't think he said dogs. Anyways, you know what I'm saying, right? And then he goes back to Jerusalem and at first the Christians there, you know, welcomed him and everything was great. But then he gets arrested in the temple and the Jews are just going nuts. They're doing the same thing to Paul, making such a fuss that the Romans just, they want it to stop. And it just seems like a replay of when Jesus was tried, or not tried, but condemned by the crowd. And the, the poor Romans, they're just like, what a bunch of weirdos. Can't they just figure it out? But, anyways, end of chapter 21, Paul stands up and first talks um, to the tribune in Greek, and they were surprised about that. Then he turns around and starts talking to all the Jewish people in Hebrew. So he gives his testimony about, you know, he says, oh, don't worry. I used to kill these Christians, or I used to send letters to get them arrest warrants. I used, to, I used to write arrest warrants that were from the authority of the church so we could drag them back to Jerusalem and, and put them in prison, prison or kill them. He said, that, that was me. But then um, he, became, he, he lost his sight. And he lost his sight for three days. And then, uh, who was it? Ananias helped him receive it again. And then Jesus told him, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not, they will not accept your testimony about me. And Jesus also said, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So he's recounting all this to the Jews in Jerusalem. And 
they got to the point where they couldn't stand it. They thought this was absolute heresy, heresy, and uh, they're going to try and kill him. So um, then the Tribune finds out that Paul is a Roman citizen, which was super valuable, and and you know they all mutually treated it like the coolest group that could ever walk the face of the earth. Oh, you're a Roman citizen. You're you're basically one step below a god. So you know they then they started treating him with way more respect. So. At the end of chapter 22, the, uh, was it the centurion or the tribune? Yeah, the tribune. So the, kind of the, the head military or governing authority there at that time, um, after they calmed the crowd, found out Paul was a Roman citizen, they, uh, left him alone for the night. But, we'll pick up here in verse 30. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. So, let's just step back here. So this uh, tribune... And I think we're going to learn his name here in the next chapter. He's like, this is crazy. I don't understand why these Jews want to kill Paul so badly. Why they hate him so badly. What is it that is setting them off so bad? It's like, it's like, how could it? It's like if we tease Sonia about Mankit or Boo. Or we said something mean about Boo. Or what could you guys say about me? What could you make fun of me about that? Would just really make me upset and press my buttons. Come on, guys, help me here. What do I hold relatively dear? Maybe make fun of my tools. I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this one. About drinking coffee. Sometimes it... Person to person, you call it pressing somebody's buttons. You just, you find a way to get under their skin somehow. Maybe make fun of my shoes or, ooh, maybe make fun of the fact that, maybe you say like Ford trucks are junk. That would probably get under my skin after a while. Or Rangers are junk. Oh man, I'm giving you guys all of my, telling you guys how to press all my buttons. I better stop. Oh, seriously, that won't bother me too bad. But anyways, you get the picture. So this, this uh, government authority is very intrigued and curious, and it's also his job to figure out what's going on too. But he gets Paul. He tells, he commanded the chief priests and all the council. So he's like, hey, anybody who has any kind of standing amongst the Jewish religious uh, crowd, if you walk in any of these circles of leadership or influence, if you're a chief priest or if you're one of the council members, 
probably more on the governing end of the the church. Remember, for the Jews, there was just the church, and there wasn't a government apart from the church. It was all it was all governed by the religious authorities. So there were the, there were the priests, and then the council. It was kind of a, a bipartite government. All right, so Paul is going to sit amongst all these people, and let's see what happens here in Acts 23. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I don't know, brothers. I, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, quote, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. End quote. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out to the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. Which is true. This is true. Verse 7. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. Okay, guys, I won't take long. But did you see what just happened there? Paul started talking, and he said one thing, and the high priest had him ordered to be punched in the side of the mouth. Struck him on the mouth. And then Paul snapped at him and yelled at him. And uh, said, uh, you know what, by your own law, you just disobeyed. You struck me because you obviously thought I was breaking law. But by striking me, you break your own law. So there's a lot of parallels here to Jesus facing the Pharisees and Paul facing the Pharisees. They're just living examples of hypocrisy by their actions. Their, their actions are pure hypocrisy. Almost, you guys, almost as hypocritical as daddy eating cookies in front of you guys. Almost.
Do you guys catch that? You're all probably like not even paying attention. I just totally confess to a bunch of hypocrisy. Okay, anyways. So, Paul quickly under quickly realizes that he's not going to get a fair trial. He's not going to be able to speak reason to anybody here. So what's he do? He turns them against each other. Hmm, probably a pretty good way to get out of this one, Paul. That's some good shrewd thinking. He says, I know exactly uh, what to throw out there to get their mind off me. And then, sure enough, he mentions the resurrection. And the Pharisees turn around, what, the 180 and say, well, there's nothing wrong with this guy. Uh, well, what if a spirit or an angel talked to him? And uh, and the Sadducees obviously didn't agree with that, and their dissension turned violent. They're actually grown adults fighting over religious doctrine, which, by the way, we should never need to do that. Um if we can't agree that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and that we can't pay for our sins, but that only our belief in Him and receiving His free gift gets us to heaven, um, that's like the biggest and primary thing we all need to agree on. If, if you're... Yeah, anyways. So, Paul turns them against each other. And the... Uh, Tribune's like, okay, uh, let's get Paul out of here before they turn him into hamburger. So he's in the barracks. He's kind of in prison, but for his own safety also. Verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Okay, did you guys catch that? Jesus came out of the heavenly realm and stood by Paul in the barracks and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Pretty cool. See, Jesus, uh, Jesus loved Paul, and he didn't want to see him without direction and without inspiration. So I'm pretty sure Paul would be kind of, kind of pumped up, kind of feeling pretty good about whatever God has for him after Jesus came and stood by him and said that. Is that the only thing Jesus said? I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe him and Paul had an hour-long talk. But we do know that he says he's got to go to Rome and testify to the facts. Verse 12. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Okay, stop right there. Do you guys know how unbiblical that is? How ungodly that is on so many different ways. 
first of all, they make a pact with each other, which, unless it's like a super godly covenant, you should never, like, make pacts with people. Unless it's you're getting married. I can look up that, that word in the Greek and see what pact, kind of elaborate on that word pact a little bit. Okay, so they're gonna they're binding themselves by an oath, really bad. We're not supposed to take oaths. We're supposed to let our yeses be yeses and our noes be noes, and anything beyond that is sin. Um, neither to eat or drink. Um, fasting is okay for the right reasons, but they're doing it to like set their intent on murdering Paul. So they're going to weaken their flesh and create a hunger within themselves based on this desire to kill Paul. So these guys are pretty crazy. And um, I would say demonic because they're making promises with each other to murder. And then using there's actually spiritual power in fasting. When you weaken your flesh, you can increase... um, your willpower otherwise you can strengthen your spirit and they were strengthening their spirits unto murder okay i'm done i i just found that sentence very striking and very interesting because god really makes it plain here in acts 23 how warped and sick and um diabolical these jews were in jerusalem Okay, verse 13. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Okay. Pretty uh, pretty diabolical, pretty set on what they want to do. Maybe not the smartest idea. Verse 16. Now the son of Paul's sister. So this would be like uh, if Uncle Chris was Paul. This would be mommy's son. So this would be like Garrison or Gideon in relation to Uncle Chris. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. 
But do not be persuaded by them, for more than forty of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then, verse 23, Then he, the tribune, called to the centurions, they were like the sergeants, you know, the kind of the first step of authority in command of groups of soldiers. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he, the tribune, wrote a letter to this effect. Verse 26. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency the Governor Felix, greetings. Okay, there we found out his name. Claudius Lysias. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency the Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving of death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against this man, I sent him to you at once ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. Antipatris. I think. I don't know. Antipatris, I'll say. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting their horsemen, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Okay, that's the end of the chapter, you guys. So, what I'm gathering here is that the uh, Romans had a, a, a pretty well-developed government, system of government. They had, uh, you know, they had this, uh, all these councils, the tribune, they had um, lots of military soldiers and centurions. When um, 
Claudius Lysias thought that he was in a little bit over his head. And when he, he actually had good judgment, he just kind of exported the whole problem and the whole trial to the governor and uh, sent, a, sent a huge military detail with Paul to guarantee to guarantee peace and Paul that and that Paul would not be uh, murdered. Um, he also made sure that Paul's accusers were gathered and sent also to the governor. So whether or not he was like trying to uh, pass the problem up the chain or not, maybe he was just uh, desiring the best outcome for Paul. Maybe it was both. I don't know, but. Um, there seemed to be a real, uh, you know, pre-established process for, for things like this. And uh, anyways, Claudius Lysias was the tribune. All right, so now Paul is at the governor's, Felix. And he's guarded in Herod's Praetorium. I'm sure that's significant, whether it was a Herod that pursued Jesus or I don't know. But anyways, that's a study for another time. Okay, I'm going to hit stop here, you guys, because I have been talking way more than... Um, if I, if I kept going another chapter, this one would be really long. So I'm going to hit stop. I will probably go ahead and read another chapter, but Mommy can cut you guys off if she only wants you to do a shorter one tonight. So I love you kiddos very much. Thank you. I'm going to say this. Thank you for being patient with me as I read and then discover things in the Word and then talk my way through things and then make my own sort of conjectures and speculations I am not a trained Bible teacher, so um, I do love reading to you guys, and I do think some of my insights might help you imagine what's going on and understand, but I haven't been to Bible school, and I don't know Greek. I know Greek food, but I don't know the Greek language. Anyways, I, I know God's good, and... We will all get some value out of me reading to you guys, but um, I would love to get back sometime and study Acts more and see what see what better Bible scholars and preachers and teachers think about all of these things that Paul went through. They're just kind of cool. They're better than any... Since they're it's real history and it's true, it's like better than any like Netflix producer or writer or director could ever make up or orchestrate because it's true and it's it's what God decided what was going to happen so it's this is way more exciting for me than most of the junk we watch on TV if not everything so anyways I love you guys Heavenly Father um, thank you for letting me be these kids, earthly father, and uh, it's an honor. Father, I pray that we would honor you by listening to your word and seeking out things in your word, seeking out ideas. That idea of, of the Jews 
just overfilling hypocrisy was real apparent to see tonight. It just was hard to miss. And Father, I pray that you would help me to be a man of conviction and a man of my word and to weed out hypocrisy in my own life and to notice it and to not stand for it, to not live, um, to not have any kind of hypocritical ways like these Jews did towards Paul. Um, Father, bless the kids as they go to school. Help them to have healthy, uh, godly relationships with um, good boundaries, but great friendship and communication, and to grow in their knowledge for you. But most, most of all, Lord, help them to grow into a genuine, loving relationship. And Lord, I just, it, I just bless these children with true, intimate, uh, father-son, father-daughter relationship with you. Lord God, I, I desire nothing more than my children to know you and to love you as their heavenly father. And they can know you and love you uh, just as well as they can know and love their earthly parents or their friends. And Lord God, I, I, I look forward to the days um, down the road seeing my children's relationships with you grow as they learn to read your word and as they learn to meditate on it and, and hold your word up against their hearts and to let your word search out their hearts and change their hearts and purify their hearts and to understand the difference between their souls and their spirits and where their souls would lead them versus where their spirits along with your Holy Spirit would would have them walk, give them discernment and wisdom, help them to listen to wisdom, Father, and, and prudence. And uh, Father, it's a it's a wonderful mystery how your Holy Spirit works and leads us into all truth. But it's a mystery that we can experience. We don't have to know all the nuts and bolts. We just know that you love us and that. You always draw us closer to you by your word and and uh, by your Holy Spirit and by your mighty right hand, Lord. Um, we love you. Thank you so much, Jesus. And thank you for prayer. Thank you for uh, listening to our prayers and answering our prayers. And Lord, I always feel like at the end of a prayer, it, there's always this cliche thing that we say, in Jesus' name, amen. So I just said it, so I don't have to say it again, but thank you that you listen to us, and we know that you hear our prayers, and we love you, Father. Okay, kiddos. I love you guys very much. Did anybody come, come up with an answer for that quiz question I had for you? Oh, there was a quiz question a couple of podcasts ago. Anyways, big prize. Big prize for whoever has the answer. 
All right. Love you guys. Catch you soon. Night-night.